So we are doing a sermon series called People of Presence. We talk every other week about either drawing close to God, intimacy, drawing close to God, or um, intercession, praying for others. And this week we are on an intercession week, uh, praying for others. And um, we've also been, throughout this fall series, we've just been having multiple voices, whether it's praying or, or sharing with us. And so this morning, I'm going to invite up Doug Terpstra, because this morning what I want to focus on in praying for others is not just um, praying for others from a distance, but praying for others with the person there. And Doug is a person who has prayed for me often, and who I've often also seen pray for others uh, at all kinds of times in all kinds of places. And so I just uh, asked if he would share a little bit about praying for others with them, about ministering with them. So, Doug, you, you may take it away. Very good. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to be with you. So, when I was preparing for today, I came up with a challenge, and I came up with a question. And the challenge actually was for me, because what I realized when I was going to talk to a body of believers, that for some of you, perhaps have never prayed for anyone in your life on an individual basis. Other of you are very accomplished, and, some, and the rest of you fall somewhere in between. Well, I want to tell you today that just because I'm talking about praying for others, it doesn't mean that I didn't start at this one end of the continuum where I hadn't prayed for anyone before. But I had to take a first step. The other thing that really came to my mind for this morning was this title about people of presence. And I had to ask myself the question, what is his presence for? You know, is it just a good feeling? What's it for? And, and I'm going to answer it for myself. And if, if this works for you, you take it. But for me, what I finally decided was that if his presence doesn't change me, if it doesn't transform me into more of his likeness and more of what he wants me to do, then is his presence more about me or is it about him? And if his presence comes, then it commands that I do something. And for me, a lot of times, that comes in the form of praying for others. I want to take you on a journey today. I want to take you down a timeline that's going to begin with Isaiah 61 and will bring us up to today. So let me tell you about these first four and a half verses of Isaiah. First of all, under the inspiration of the power of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah writes, and he tells us about the Messiah. And then he tells us about people that are encountered by the Messiah and then he's got something to say to us today. So with that in mind, let's read from Isaiah 61. Isaiah writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or oppression. They, they, who's the they in this particular verse? It's those who have been healed from a broken heart. Those who have been set free from addictions. Those who have been touched by the Lord in a special way. Those who have been healed from their sickness. Those who have been comforted because of their mourning. And it says this is what they will do. It says they will be called because of an encounter with the Messiah. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor that their lives would be so changed that it actually brings glory to God. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And you, you, put your name in these verses, and you will be called priest of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of our God. That is a challenge for us today to be priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. 700 years after these amazing words from Isaiah, a Jewish man, the son of a carpenter, walks in to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. It's Jesus. And we read the account in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus comes and it says, He stands and he unrolls the scroll until he comes to the place of what we call Isaiah 61. The same words that I just spoke to you. Words of healing. Words of ministry. And Jesus speaks these words and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. This word anointed is like a consecration. It's what they used to do. They, they would pour oil on either kings or priests. And Jesus was both. Kings speak of authority. Priest speaks of intercession that brings heaven to earth. And Jesus did both of those. And what Jesus was saying in this moment is that the Father, the Lord, anointed him. He commissioned him, if you will. He said, son, now's the time. Now's the time for ministry. Now we release you to go forth. You see, Jesus had a starting point. Have you ever thought about that? We all have a starting point. We all have a beginning place. And he started in his hometown. You see, we all have an area of ministry. It might be Knoxville. It might be Pella. But we all have a place of ministry. It's the people we know and the people that we meet. The sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to heal the sick, to comfort those who mourn, to break addictions. 
But the words of Isaiah did not end there. Approximately two years later, Jesus would send out his disciples. He said, you are commissioned to go. He said, I want you to go out and heal the sick, comfort those who mourn, break addictions, do all those things that he talks about in Isaiah 61. And the disciples went out, and when he said go, he went, they went. But the words of Isaiah 61 did not end there. Let me fast forward you to 2,000 years. It's approximately 2007. And these words of Isaiah had so captured my heart that I would go out and I'd buy a vinyl cutter and I cut these words out and I placed them on a prominent wall in my living room, three feet by four feet. And in that moment, what I actually did was I made a declaration and I said, Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, which, now, which became the ministry of the church through the beginning of, with his disciples, was now going to be my ministry. It was a starting point, a declaration. About that same time, I was to give a talk, an alpha talk, uh, at another church, and the title of the talk was, Does God Heal Today?, and I laid out a scriptural foundation for healing. I laid it out according to scripture because I believe that God does heal today. The problem with that was I had never seen a miraculous healing in my life even though I believed it. After I gave that talk, a woman came to me in severe back pain. She said, Doug, can you pray for me? To be honest with you, I had never prayed on an individual basis for healing for someone in my life. It was a beginning point for me. It was a place where I had to start. And in, in fact, I probably really didn't even, wasn't quite sure what to pray. But I put my hand on her back and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, we command the pain to go. And what I saw next astounded me. This woman began to shake violently. I've never seen that before, and I haven't seen it since. Though, don't think that that's a common occurrence. But it happened this time, and she shook violently. 30 seconds passed. She's still shaking. About a minute went by, and the shaking started to subside. And when it started to su subside, the tears become to flow down her face as she said, the pain is gone. Glory to God. Glory to him. It's for his splendor. It's for his splendor. But what about you this morning? What about us this morning? We could ask a, a question, and the question is not, are you commissioned? Because the answer to that is yes. The ministry of Jesus has become your ministry. It's become my ministry. It's to pray for others. It's to heal the sick. It's to comfort those who mourn. It's to break the addictions that people are, are in. But the real question is, can you take a step of faith? 
Can you take a step that moves toward obedience of doing the ministry of Jesus? There's, there's nothing like it. It changes lives. It changes lives. Because the fact of the matter is, if I do not pray for somebody, I know that nothing's going to change. If I do pray for somebody, it just might be that the, they will rebuild the ancient ruins of their lives. They will restore the places that have been devastated. God comes in and he can restore them. And he can renew those ruined places that are there. You're commissioned. It's time. It's our time. It's your time. Take a step of faith. Walk in obedience. As we become people of presence, allow that presence to move in you, to move you, to change you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. We just say, come Holy Spirit. Would you come into our place of presence today? Would you touch every heart Father, I would ask that you would come like fire, that you would burn these words of Isaiah 61 into our hearts. Father, that, that you would move us toward obedience. As we pray for others, those who are around us, no matter who that is, whoever it is in the sphere of influence that we have, would you come, God? Would you give us the boldness and the courage to do it? That we would be your witnesses in all the earth. Father, today we give you our yes. And Lord, as we give you your yes, our yes, will you give us your yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Doug. I'm actually going to uh, continue to share on the same things that, that Doug was sharing on, and I'm going to do it in this way. I'm going to talk about three, three points. I'm going to make three points. I'm going to put them up on the slides. So Jesus ministered in power. There's absolutely no denying, if you read the Gospels, if you're talking about what do, the, what do the Gospels, what does the Bible say about Jesus, there is so much of the story of Jesus leading up to his death on the cross where he ministered in power. Also, what is clear in the Bible, a little bit in the Gospels and especially in the book of Acts after Jesus ascended, is so did his early followers. Those people ministered in power. And like Doug said, I want to share, so can we. We can minister in power. Now, Power was released through Jesus' words and his touch. And that I, I want to show from some scriptures. I'm only taking a few. I could show lots and lots of them that Jesus, that power was released in his words and for some reason through his touch. And I think that is also an example for us because that's what happened with his followers. His followers also saw, his, saw God's power released in their words and, and sometimes through their hands, through their touch. And then finally, Jesus' ministry wasn't just powerful. 
Like when he was doing healing or he was doing other things that, that really were impacting people, it wasn't just this He ministered personally to people. He saw the person. He saw each person. He was moved by compassion and love, not just like a ministry that would be impressive. He, it was very personal. So Jesus' ministry was personal and powerful. His followers' ministry that we read about in the Bible was personal and powerful. And we can minister in ways that are personal and powerful. So I love that Doug picked Isaiah 61 and then talks about how Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 4, he reads Isaiah 61 and he says, this, this is true of me today. This is fulfilled of me today. In Luke chapter 4, shortly after that, a couple stories after that, this is what it says, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. You'll notice a couple things there. Jesus was very, he was, he was personally connected to Simon and this family. And he leaned over close to, to Simon's mother-in-law and he spoke and the fever left. And then as people came, he put his hands on each one. And if demons came out because of the authority he has as the son of God, as the one most high, he could, he could say, don't talk, and they didn't talk anymore. So personal, powerful ministry. Now, if we go to Luke chapter 8, verses 42 through 46, and I'm going to start halfway through. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So there is Jesus, most often you would see that power went through his hands as he touched people. Here it goes through his clothes. It goes through his clothes. And even though there's so many people that, you know, he could feel the, the particular part of the clothing was just a little string of his garment that it went out. He knew power went out. There was literal, literally, there was some sort of power that goes through Jesus to another person. And he, though, doesn't just keep moving on. And by the way, he's in a pretty big, there's like, it's like going to the emergency room. Somebody's about to die. That's where they're all going for. So he, it's like a hurry, and he stops everything. Why does he stop everything? Well, let's read what's next. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. He doesn't just let, let the power zip out. It's personal. Daughter, you're restored to the family. I want you to know your love, not just healed. That's what happened there. The personal, powerful presence of Jesus. One more story from Luke. Luke chapter 13, 10 through 16. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who 
who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because God had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it, give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? You can see what motivates Jesus in this story. He loves the woman. Like he cares about, she's been bound up. There's so many times in the scripture where it's Jesus is moved with compassion and so he heals. Moved with compassion so he reaches out and touches the leper. He's moved because he loves people. And it's interesting that the synagogue, church, where this happens, when healing happens in power, the response, and this is a common response, I could give many other stories in the Bible, was, oh, it's not church. I'm not, that's not how church is. That's not, I'm not comfortable with that in church. I don't know that I like to see that in church. And that is true today. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that's, that's, that's healing that happens in the, in, done in the name of, of Jesus is necessarily shouldn't be discerned of what, what's good and what's bad. It's just that for some people who've been in church their whole life, and they, they didn't see healing in church the whole life, when they start to see things of God moving, for some reason we have a, like a, I don't know, I don't know what I think about that. Instead of like, awesome. Somebody's got the love of God and the power of God is touching them. That's awesome. Now, I want to I read a couple things from Mark just to illustrate. Again, Jesus is our model. There are many, many stories that are similar to the ones I just read. These next couple have a little bit unusual twist to the story. So this is just a verse from uh, Mark 6, verse 5. It's about Jesus. Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Jesus couldn't do the miracles for everyone there like he would normally do. There was a way which sometimes it just didn't happen, even for Jesus. Now, not very often for Jesus. Almost never for Jesus. I think he discerned where the Father was working and where he was supposed to work, and, and so he was going to places where the, it was time to heal. But even for Jesus, it didn't always happen. Not, he did, he, it just didn't happen. That's what it says here. Next, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Let's see here. They came to Bethsaida, Jesus and his disciples, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man and by the hand led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home. Oh, that's, that's all I'm going for. So here, it didn't fully happen right away. Jesus prayed, something happened, but then he prayed again, and it happened all the way. And I just say that because that's what I see more often here. Sometimes things happen immediately, 
But sometimes it's a progression over time. We keep on praying. We start praying and we keep on praying because the healing happens over multiple times. Or we pray and the healing happens later on. Even for Jesus that happened. Now, mostly it happened right away immediately for Jesus and, and for his followers. But sometimes it's, there's a progression that happens. Okay. Mark chapter, what was that? Eight, so it's 10. Verses 13 through 16. Okay. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. All, the, all these times, Jesus, the healing is coming through him, through his body. Place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, when, when people want to bring their kids to Jesus so he can bless them, have a blessing, a tangible blessing come to them, the disciples are like, no, too much going on, not important enough, not time and so they're trying to stop little kids from coming to Jesus. They're trying to protect his time. He's an important guy. And Jesus was indignant, it says. He was upset. And then he says, you got to become like little kids. you got to become like little kids. You're thinking like they're not important enough. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming for the blessing. Don't stop them. Here, here's what I think. I think that Jesus wants to release tangible blessing, blessings that are real, through his people, through our words, through our hands. And one of the ways that he wants to do that is when we pray for each other. We put a hand on a shoulder and we just say aloud, it can be a short thing, but just share, it's just a blessing, some sort of blessing. I think Jesus longs to bless his children including the oldest person in this room who's his kid. He wants him to come like a kid and receive a blessing he wants to give him. And you know who usually stops, stops Jesus' blessing from coming through his people in prayer ministry to one of his kids? That kid. Me. You. I am still surprised by how few people come and receive prayer ministry. I am pretty certain that no one gets prayed for more on a Sunday morning, like from someone else, putting their hand on them and praying for them, than me. I do almost every Sunday morning multiple times. Somebody comes up to me to pray. I go to one of the prayer ministers to pray, pray beforehand, because I need it. I am a weak, weak person. And I believe that there is something real about people who are in Christ, who have his authority, who've been commissioned, as Doug says, Praying blessing and putting their hands on it. And it's, we're weak people doing it. We're, we're not like something special, something, we're just weak people, but we got the presence of Jesus flow through us. And yet, most of us are like, no. No thanks. Never. Maybe once a year. Maybe if my life's really, really, really bad. But most of the time, the answer is, no, I don't, I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good. Well, let me tell you. Here's what I'll say right now about me. Not good. I mean, there's some good. 
Life's not falling apart all the time, and I'm not, you know, as horrible as I used to be and things like that. But that's, but, like, I still am just weak. I need the blessing of Jesus, and he wants to give it through each other. He wants us to do it. So we have objections to being the one who prays, and we have objections to becoming and getting prayed for. And Jesus is, I, I would think he's like, come on. Just let the blessing flow. It can flow through your hands. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get to the rest of the passages. Like Doug said, while Jesus was walking around, he, he commissioned his people. The, the Holy Spirit hasn't even been poured out yet. And he said, gives them authority, and they go and they drive out demons and they heal people in Jesus' name before they even have the Holy Spirit in power. But then in Acts, the Holy Spirit does come in power, and it happens over and over again that the things we read about in Jesus are the things that are happening through his followers. So someone says, you know, I don't have silver or gold. First they say, look at me. It's a personal thing happening. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk, and a paralyzed man can get up and walk. And, there, and someone blind can see. And someone who's deaf can hear. And the miracles become so, so many of them that people are like, maybe I can get Peter's shadow to come over me and then I'd get healed. Or in another part, in Acts 19, verse 8, handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had touched get brought to six people and they're healed. Now that's way out there. But it's kind of getting like it came through the clothes of Jesus. It came through the, the fabric of the church sometimes. But most often it's personal. It is a personal, hand-on, voice-over, and prayer for blessing, for healing, for direction, for encouragement, for comfort. And what my experience is, I have learned a lot about how to pray for people because I try to get prayed for a lot by other people. Both. And we have this just at our fingertips. We have at our fingertips the personal, powerful presence of God. Um, nothing, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe I'll pray the wrong thing. Maybe I'll... So I'm just going to lean right here. And when we mumble, stumble something out because we see a need, maybe it looks like nothing's happening. But sometimes things happen. And almost all the time, someone is encouraged that you cared enough to risk to pray. Four stories before we end. Three of them this month. Three of them this month from this church. So a person at their workplace is feeling like they are not making a difference. They're just not making... They, they, how could they make a bigger impact? They're praying about how can they make a bigger impact, and they're not seeing it necessarily at their church. And they're on the phone one day with a customer, and they're talking through how bills get paid, how different things get paid, and lots of talking. And in the midst of the conversation, the person's saying a lot of things, and they say, well, I can't, I can't uh, see anybody on Monday or talk to anybody on, on this day, whatever day it is. I can't talk to anybody. So then we'll, well, maybe we'll do this day or this day. And when they said they couldn't, couldn't talk to anybody that day. They wouldn't be able to talk to anybody that day. The person from Celebrate on the phone was like, hmm, that's an odd thing. Maybe they have something going on. And they felt like maybe, but then the person kept talking, and so they just let it go. And when they hung up the phone, they thought, I missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity because I think there was something, and I could have 
ask the person about it. So even though they don't know this person, they decided to call them back. They looked up their number, they called them back, said, I don't know you, but we were talking, and when you mentioned that you wouldn't be able to talk to somebody, it just struck me, and I, I just wonder, is there something I could pray for you? I just want to pray for that for you and whatever's happening for you on that day. And then the person shared. And then the person from Celebrate prayed over the phone. And then they could tell that the person on the other end of the phone is crying on the phone. And two co- co-workers are watching this and hearing about everything that happened. And this person who was praying to have an impact realized like just by reaching out, not knowing how that person would respond and doing it, the impact was made not just for the person they prayed for, but for the people that they're working with, who they're also praying for. Or how about this, prayer builders, a few weeks ago, we had the prayer builders advance. So normally on, at upper rooms on Wednesday nights, we don't have prayer ministers, but for a while we had prayer ministers there. And somebody came up to one of the prayer ministers and they said, my throat is junk right now, I'm just getting sick. And I've got, a, I've got to travel out of state this week, it's an important thing, and I'm just, I want to be okay for this traveling. I want to be okay to go. So can you just pray that I'll be okay to go? So the person puts her hand on the throat, prays, prays blessing over the person, not just for getting uh, better or sick, but, and so then that's it. And what happens after that, you're, you'll know what's going to happen, they get worse. They start feeling worse the next day and the next day. And then it gets to the weekend spot, and they are so sick now, they really, they were just, should I even go or not? Do I need to cancel this important thing and just not even go on this trip? They go, they said, the airplane door closes, and it went away. Like, it all went away. And I felt good. And they went on the trip, and they said, I got back from the trip, and I actually felt more rested than when I went. Now, if I had went on the trip healthy, I would have expected to come back more wiped out and more exhausted from this trip, but instead, the moment that the airplane door closed, I felt better, and I felt better the whole trip, and he still felt better the whole week later. Now, why? Now, it, like, now, what could have happened is a person could have prayed, and that person over the next few days could have gradually got better and then been ready to go on the trip. And I think that's how prayer works a lot of times, so much so that that just could be a coincidence. Of course, they were going to get better, and they naturally got better, but this was the time to say it clearly was connected to prayer. The person wanted to be better for the trip, They should have said, I want to be better right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I love that. Like God's like, okay, well, we'll wait till the trip starts. Beep. And it came through a hand and someone just trying to bless the person. Now, almost a year ago, it was a service in December, and students came and they prayed through this room beforehand because they were doing their pancake fundraiser afterwards. And they prayed for this room. And in that morning... I went. Oh, I just asked some of them, could you pray for me? And so these students, some I know well, some I don't know very well, they start praying for me. Most I've never heard pray before. But they start praying for me. And all of a sudden, I just start crying while they're praying for me. I'm just crying. I'm like, what is going on? I mean, I know you see me kind of tear up a lot up here, but like this, this is just like, I could not understand why am I crying? So it was just something was very moving to me. Well, that day, we had prayer ministers available during the service. 
So we, we always have prayer ministers available after the service, but when we went to sing after the message, we had prayer ministers come down already, and people could come and receive prayer while the last couple songs were going on. So we did that, and I'm sitting down there, and I don't, I mean, I'm just not a looky-loo kind of guy where I'm like, oh, what's happening in that prayer ministry time? That's just not my, I just, I, I value people's privacy in, in their personal space. But I couldn't help notice, like, somebody walks past me after the prayer time, and they're <laughs> wiping away the, and then see another person, they're wiping, oh, now I'm kind of curious, like a third person, and they're just wiping away, they're like, Everybody I saw who's getting prayer for, and I think we had like four stations on each side. I think we had a lot of people, but they're just crying. Someone said that they were helping with the fundraiser. They came in for a few moments, and immediately they start crying. There's another uh, people who said they started crying from the time the service went. Well, people, the kids were praying, and God's spirit moved in that in a unique way that day. Now, I don't want you to think that we, we measure how much God is moving or how much really happened by if tears happen or not. That's just not, that's not it. Sometimes we're moved and, and God does something and it, and it releases tears because um, that's healing is coming or um, joy is coming or something, but tears can come. But it's not like, well, if we don't see tears, then we don't see, see anything. In fact, sometimes we feel nothing only to find out later that God has answered the prayer. You know, like the, when the airplane door shuts, that's when the real thing released. You don't have to feel something in the moment to trust that God's doing something in the moment. But here's my last story. So the, the day of Steve Mott's funeral, I am trying to think, we have three, four of us speaking, so trying to figure out what is each thing happening, feeling a real sense of wanting to do what Steve would want at this funeral, knowing that there's people in the room who are not followers, going to be in the room who are not followers of Jesus, and Steve's heart was that they would come to know Jesus. And so probably feeling a little pressure, just something. I'm, I'm a little bit like this. Now, we have students who come on Monday mornings to pray. So in Knoxville, you have late start Monday mornings, and they give up some of their sleep-in time, and they come and pray on Monday mornings here at the church. And that particular day, there was no school, but I'd heard, well, students still showed up. So then they were up in the upper room. So I went up the stairs, the upper room, partly to encourage the students who showed up and partly to see if they would pray for me. I'm remembering this time in December. And I'm like, well, I probably could use a little of that. So I get up there, and there's only one student there. And I thought, man, that's fitting. Because Steve Mott was the kind of person who would show up to pray even if no one else did. And one student is there. And so I ask him, will you pray for me? He prays for me. And I didn't start crying. I don't think, I don't remember that. I don't remember. But I just remember, like, the words he prayed. He put his hand on my shoulder. The words he prayed, it was like he knew what was going on in me better than I knew what was going on in me. And, and something was shifting as he prayed over me. And right before I had went up there, I was talking to Camille and then I went up there to get prayed. And when I came down, I went to say something to her. I just, and she said, what happened to you? I got prayed. She's like, you look totally different. It didn't look like you were doing well before. Well, I got prayed for by a teenager who believes in Jesus. 
and just lets the presence of Jesus, the personal, powerful presence of Jesus come through his words and his hands. And he doesn't have to have it all figured out. And the power of God touched me. And I was so changed that someone who interacts with me 10 minutes apart sees, you look, I think the quote was, you look totally different. Because that's what can happen when we're willing to pray for people and when we're willing to have people pray for us. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And what we're going to do is we're going to have students available to pray for you this morning. The students will be praying for you. And you can come and receive prayer. You can ask them to pray for whatever you want them to pray for. The one thing that's been going on in in my mind that you might want to consider is in the role that you're in. Some of us are in roles, whether it's our job roles, like we're in the healthcare industry or law enforcement or stay-at-home mom, or you know, but in your role, it is hard. It is hard. And why not consider having someone, would you pray for me in this role? Have a student pray for you in this role. If you spend a lot of time complaining about your role, you might want to consider having someone pray for you in it rather than leaving this place and continue complaining about it. What is something? You know, it's not going to be a job. It can be a volunteer thing or any, whatever God puts in your heart. But would you consider getting prayed for by a student as we continue to worship it, uh, in, the, in the ending of our, our service today? So the students will go to their spots up front while I pray and we'll worship and you can worship or receive prayer at any point. Let's pray together. We thank you, God. We thank you that all this talk about prayer ministry, about about your personal powerful presence coming through as we pray for each other, through the touch and through through our words, that... All of that is possible because you so love the world that you gave your son. That Jesus, you the eternal God, came and took on human flesh. And we're willing to give your life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and to make a way to be connected with you. And that all who call on your name, all who put their trust in Jesus, then have access to you and to the Holy Spirit, your personal powerful presence in us, with us, upon us. And so we just start by saying yes again to that gift that you give us of salvation, of relationship with you, God, of recognizing that that's where the authority comes from, from what you did, from your great love for us. And then we would ask that in these moments, you would lead. You would pray through your people and you would bless your people who receive prayer. You would guide it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.